most people, including Christians, have the wrong idea of our Father in heaven. They have the wrong image of a Father in heaven. This is because fatherhood for most of us means different things. Let me give you an example. If you're growing up, like I say, at home where you have absentee fathers or you never had a father or a dad before, you have struggled through life on your own. You have faced difficulties and trials on your own. You're never able to run to your father and ask questions, Dad, you know, why is this? Why is that? And then you never had a strong arm to hold you, protect you, and love you. And you're longing for that. And so when people tell you that your God in heaven is a father, you would feel that all you could think about a father is he's distant, he's cold, he's impersonal. Or perhaps you come from a home where your dad is around, but he's, uh, your relationship with your father is performance-based, meaning that he'll, he will let you feel more love and, and he will, he, you'll feel more embrace of him. you feel more, uh, uh, more approval from him the more you perform. So your relationship with him is performance-based. And so when it comes to your faith, when you hear that God wants to be your father in heaven, all of a sudden you are treating God in the same manner. You think that your relationship with him is performance-based. You ought to live a little bit holier. You ought to give a little bit more. You got to attend the service more often. These are all good things that we want to encourage you to do that because He wants you to live in victory. But He can't love you any more than He has already loved you. You know, your relationship with Him is not performance-based. He loves you even when you are feeling like a failure. When you're in the trial, you know, when you make some mistakes, He still loves you. Yes, He wants to give you victory. It is His idea that you live victoriously. It is His idea that you are more than a conqueror. But when you fail, when you hiccup, when you trip, He's not there to condemn you or judge you. He's there to love you. But most people don't understand it because their relationship, many of them have relationship with their father in a, 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 a performance performance-based kind of relationship. And worse yet, for many people, fatherhood, what brings out all those yucky feelings because they have been abused at home. They've been hurt by their own father. You know, they say that in the city, over 70% of the men have been abused, whether it's physically, verbally, or sexually. That's a huge number. So if statistics any, uh, tell us anything that is true, is that most men, we, 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 we look at fatherhood with pain. And, and, and we cringe when, people, when we hear that God, our Father in heaven, wants to be our Father. We thought He would want to punish us. We, want, we thought at best He, he wanted to distance Himself from us. We have no idea. We can't understand. We can't relate to what Father means. I pray today as I spend the next few minutes with you, it is not my words because my words are so limited. But I pray the Holy Spirit would heal you and give you the deep revelation of your daddy God in heaven. That revelation that is so powerful that would change your life. Whether or not you are a Christian for many years or you're not even a Christian, I got good news for you this morning. God wants to reveal himself to you as a father. Some of you are probably sitting there saying, Pastor, you know, I, I worship God. You know, I believe in Jesus. Why do I need to understand God as a father? It's too complicated. You know, what's, you know, why do I need that? I'll tell you four major reasons why you need to understand your father in heaven or have the right image of who your father is in heaven. Number one is that when you 
understand your Father and have the true image of Him, you're going to have a lot more faith in your prayer life. I'm going to show you later on what your Father is. When you have true image of the Father, you have deep revelation and you're walking in that truth, man, I tell you, you will pray with great confidence. You know that all is well. You can sing that song, it is well with my soul, because you know that you have a good Father. You know that He will heal you. In fact, He has healed you already. You know that He has provided for you already. You know that when you know your Father in heaven. Then the second reason is, is that it will bring confidence in general to your living. It will give you great confidence in your living. You know, we all have been betrayed and hurt by somebody before in the past, more than once, right? How many of you have not been betrayed and hurt before? I hope you don't raise your hand because I'm going to call you a liar. We have all been hurt and betrayed deeply. We have wounds in our heart. You know what we do as human beings? Our tendency is we try to compensate that wounds. And what we do is that we behave a certain way to compensate the wound. We behave a certain way to, 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 to compensate that, that, that shame, that, that, that thing that is so taken away from us. And so we become insecure. We act insecure. We make decisions. You know, our, you know, young men and young women will latch onto relationship, uh, looking for fatherhood, latch onto to people that will give them some kind of approval. But if you know your father in heaven so well that you will not easily be convinced that people can give you approval. You always run to God. For the girls, it'll be harder for guys to chase you. It'll be harder for them to win your heart. It'll be harder because now it's not easy for you to easily fall in love with them because you were looking for some kind of approval. For men, Many of us, you know, I'll talk about it later on, is that we, we're also looking for Father. We're looking for different kind of relationship to replace that fatherhood. And so we're insecure that way. Friends, when you know your true Father in heaven, when you have that relationship, you have the true image of the Father, it'll affect the decision you make. It'll affect the way that you conduct your relationships. It'll affect your personality and behavior. You, you have more confidence, you know. People will know that, you know. And number three is this. When you know the true image of your father, which I believe is your true father, brings peace and rest to your soul. Psalmist in Psalms 116 says this, return to your rest, oh my soul. You know, this church is all about rest. We speak about rest. But the best way to know rest is to know that God, your Father, has been good to you. Do you realize that if you know God is good to you, you can rest? You could be in a storm. You could, you could come in all kinds, you face all kinds of challenges. You know, I'm sure many of us are facing all kinds of challenges. But there is such a rest because you know Daddy's got it. He's got you. Some people don't have the confidence because they don't have the right image of the Father. Number four is this. It gives incredible hope for your life when you know the true image of your Father. You know, when you know your Father, you know that He's not here to harm you. He had a future and a plan for you to keep you hope and a future. He's not here to harm you. When you know your Father in heaven well, you have amazing hope. Doesn't matter what stage of life you're in, there's this amazing and incredible hope that is in you. And people will find you more hopeful. In general, you have more hope and a greater outlook in life. That's why it's so important that you and I know who our Father is. So for the next few minutes, I, I want to share with you some of the wrong images that I've observed people had, had taken on as the image of the Father and what the Bible says about it. 
And it's not an exhaustive list. But I hope that by the end of this service, if you long for that father relationship, I know many people do. I pray that the Holy Spirit will open up the way for you to enter in to that relationship with your daddy God. He's standing by as I speak now, waiting to hold you, to embrace you, to take care of you. One of the most common false image of God that people have is that he's angry. He's cold, he's scary, he's harsh. So we should be very careful, tiptoeing into his presence. You ever been to all the churches, you know, you make a bit of noise, everybody goes, shh. You know, like this is the presence of God. Shh, don't you have any respect? So we come to God. Yes, we need to revere him. But it somehow it had translated to many of us that we are to tiptoe in his presence. Do you know that in Psalm chapter 63, verse 3, the Bible says that the loving kindness of God is better than life. If you know that God is good and he's kind, he's loving. You know, Matthew, when he was a little guy, some many of you have been father and have little kids before. You know, he never had any problem running to me. He didn't go to my room and go, Hi, Daddy. He runs straight to me. He'll get onto my lap. I'll pick him up. I love on him because he knows that his dad loves him and is kind to him. Do you know that your father in heaven is kind to you and he loves you? His loving kindness is better than life, the Bible says. Oh, I pray that this morning that you will taste a little bit of his kindness. Whatever image that had been given to you that is false, I want to correct it this morning. I pray the Holy Spirit will correct it this morning. This is your daddy is kind and he's loving to you. Come to him. Come and taste of his goodness. Another false image of God is he's unapproachable, distant, and impersonal. You know, we've seen movies and we, we, we heard people say that, you know, even if God is there, He doesn't care. He had left us to own demise. That's the narrative out there in the world. And the reason is because, of course, in their own life, they have experienced absentee deaths and, 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 and you know, being raised up by single mind. I, I can understand that. And it doesn't help that, you know, religious institution had makes God so distant and unapproachable. So you need to go and pray to the priest in order to get to God. So worse yet, you know, uh, we, if, you, if you've been a Catholic, you know, I'm not trying to mock it, but that's, that's what they believe is that you need to pray to the priest so that he could pray to Mary or Joseph so that he can pray to Jesus so that they can get to God. Isn't that true? Yet the Bible says that he is able and freely available to us. In Hebrews chapter 4, 16, it tells us, it invites us, it asks us. God is actually longing for you to come to his throne face to face, boldly come to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in times of help, in times of need. Whatever need you have, you don't have to go through a priest. You don't have to go through a saint. You don't even have to go through Mary. But you can go directly to the Father in Jesus name and cry out to him come on let's praise the Lord this is your heritage this is your inheritance you don't have to go through all the rigmarole he is a father to you he is a dad to you that you never had before and this morning he's having his arms wide open waiting for you
to love you, to love you. Another wrong image of God is that He is selfish and insecure. You know, if you listen to some of the saints, some of the sincere Christian, the way they pray, you know, Oh God, please, 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 please. I beg you, I beg you. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I see, not even a kid, I mean recently, I can see some of the saints, you know, sincerest in their heart, you know, begging God, Oh God, please. And they would try to squirt them some tears. Oh God, please. Who do you think you're praying to? A tyrant? You know, the Bible says that Jesus, through Jesus, God is so generous. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 tells us that He had given us all things. Everybody say all things. Come on, you don't believe it. Everybody say all things. Oh, I, I don't hear everybody talking here. Come on, say all things. You know, He has given us all things that pertain to life. What is it that you need in life? You don't have to have to beg and ask. He had given you all things pertaining to life and, and, and godliness. All things. You know, this is what most sincere Christians and, and even the people in the world, they pray to their God, oh God, please, 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 oh, I please give me this. Please heal me. And some Christians, they pray like that, God, I pray to you, heal me. Please, 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 heal my daughter, heal my son, heal my dad of cancer. Please, please, please. Well, guess what? He already healed them. He already healed them. Well, how come I don't see you? Well, because you're asking the wrong thing. Can you imagine come to the Heavenly Father? You know, come, oh, Jesus. Oh, Heavenly Father, please heal my, please heal my boy. And God is sitting there saying, I already heal them. Why are you asking something I already given you? Our job, your job and my job, we come every Sunday morning. It's not for religious rigmarole. It's not for, to please God. God's already pleased. He loves you. You come because you want to learn how to access what has already been given to you. Come on. Come on, He already given you all things. You don't have to beg. You know, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, we quote it all the time, is that He had given us every spiritual blessing. You don't even have to beg anymore. You know, everything is from spiritual. Even money is spiritual. Now we explained that a few months, a couple, few weeks ago. Healing is spiritual. Sickness, everything. He had given you every spiritual blessing. You don't have to ask. He's given you the word. It's given, past tense. He blessed us. It's done. So don't ask for what He bless you, what you need to learn. When you, I, say, I don't pray. God, I, I pray that you provide me with this job. You know, I need this job. I need this job. That's how the world prays. The way you pray is, Father, I thank you for this job. I thank you that you provided all my needs. All of them are taken care of. I thank you you heal me, you know. And that's, that's, that's the right image of the Father. Another, another uh, uh, wrong image is God is out to get us. You know, when you're young, if you've been growing up in church, you know, they taught you this song. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Because he knows what you're looking at last night on your iPad or TV. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what is that God is out to get you. You know, Jesus came and He trying to reveal to us the Father through different parables and through His life. And one of the parables that you are very familiar with is called the prodigal son. You remember that? In the prodigal son, Jesus is revealing how the Father looked at our mistakes. Do you know that your Father in heaven not only had forgiven you, He is waiting to let you know He would forgiven you. 
So if you've been church for a while, you backslid or whatever, you made some mistakes, and you're watching on the on internet, you know, right now, you know, and, and if you're in the city, I want to encourage you to come to church, you know, just walk, don't watch on, the, on, on internet, that's better experience you. But you know, some people are just so scared coming into the church because they feel like they're not qualified, they feel like they, they're so ashamed. You know, like that prodigal son, you know, had come with all these beautiful statements to ask for forgiveness. Do you know what the father actually has been sitting out in his porch, if there was one, looking out, waiting for you? The word of God says that just even a hint of the shadow of his son showing up, he would put everything down. He would run to his son. Mistakes and all. Run to his son. And he would hug him on his neck and wept and cry. And the son was like, oh, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. And blah, 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 blah. I said blah, blah, blah because the word of God said the father wasn't even listening to him. You may have lines to ask God to forgive you, but I got news for you this morning. He has already forgiven you. Yes, we ask for forgiveness, you know, for our repentance, you know, for the purpose of repentance and so forth. But I want you to know. That He's forgiven all your sins, past, present, even future. Another, another wrong image of God is that He always keeps records of our wrongs and our mistakes. You know, if you talk to some of the Christians, you know, they come into some kind of trouble in life, you know, they would say to me, you know, oh, Pastor, I know that's because I make some stupid mistakes, you know, 20 years ago, I'm paying it now. Now, I understand that there are consequences to all the decisions we make, and make no mistake about that. But as far as God is concerned, He keeps no record of wrong. As far as concerned, Isaiah tells us in 43 verse 25 that He doesn't even remember your sin. Why are you reminding Him? You know, many of us come to Him and say, Oh God, you know, uh, 20 years ago, this, that, and that. God would, God would say, I don't know what you're talking about. He had made it and purpose that He will forget your sin. This is your dad. You know, some earthly dad, they don't understand. You know, some, some earthly dad, we, we do keep wrong, you know. Because I do. <laughs> like, Matthew, what you do? <laughs> you know? But I want to learn to be more like my heavenly father. Keep no wrongs. Another wrong image of the father is that he's punishment happy. He likes to punish us. He's looking for opportunity to punish us. You know, if you read Old Testament, oh, he's like to punish. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, the Word of God say he exalted, ex ex exhausted all his wrath on Jesus. In other words, he can't be mad at you anymore. Are you here this morning? God cannot be mad at you anymore. You said that's not true, Pastor Paul. He cannot be mad at you. You know, in Psalm chapter 145, verse 8, say he is slow to anger and rich in love. He's gracious and compassionate. You know what slow to anger is? You know, many of us, you know, we, after we finish a good service, you know, we feel the presence of God. We feel so holy. We walk in our car, you know, start driving, going back on a highway, you know. First guy cut us and give us a finger. We, we, we have the Holy Spirit. We, we stay calm. Hallelujah. Shandai, right? And second guy come in and cut us, same guy actually, and just give us another finger again. We go, what, what, oh, I, I'm just slow to anger. By the third or fourth time, your anger will rise up, right? 
You know, I heard another brother, he was, he was in the first service, he, he was telling me he almost got into a fist fight with a baseball with a guy that really was so rude to him and, and cut him. And not only he was wrong, he actually cut in front of him and stopped his car. And so he took his baseball bat out, you know, he was going to have a, have a, have a fight. You know how God, He's slow to anger. You can get Him mad that easily. Are you here this morning? So many of times we're tiptoeing around, around God, you know, like walking on an eggshell, you know, thinking that He'll get upset easily. Oh, God is not like that. He's not like that. Your Father is so slow to anger. He's rich in love. Your Daddy He's right here. He's waiting for you to reach out. Another one is, we always think God is a stickler of rules. It's true that He gave the commandments, 613 and all. But we thought He's a stickler of rules. But the Word of God says that the commandment was actually a, guard, a guardian and a guide. That's all it was until the fullness of time come. That's when Jesus came that you don't even need it anymore. So Jesus, when He showed up on earth, He, he was doing everything that, 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 that make the Pharisees so angry. So He was healing on the Sabbath. Do you know that was such a holy day that, you know, if you pick up sticks in Sabbath, you know, they stone people picking up sticks, picking up sticks on Sabbath in the Old Testament. And you know, all those, those, those ceremonial uh, cleanliness, you know, wash your hand, the pots and the whole thing. It, they didn't invent that. It was Moses that handed them down those, those, those rules. And yet you see Jesus and his disciples, they do as they please. No washing any pots and so forth. All he was concerned about is the heart now. He's not a stickler of rules. Are you here this morning? That's the wrong image of God. And so the Pharisees hated him a lot because they said, this guy is just making all the rules, man. We need to crucify him because, you know, he's, it's like a lot of people following him. He seems so easy. He makes it so easy. But the truth is that it is. Your God is so gracious. It's not hard to serve him. It's not hard to follow him. He's an amazing, passionate, loving, and kind father for you today. Worship team, can you come out? Last one is this. We often thought that God often brings accusation and condemnation. We feel guilty. You, you listen to some of the people in the religious circle. They say, oh, you know, you're being convicted by the Holy Spirit. I believe in the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The conviction that doesn't bring guilt and condemnation, but the desire to repent. That's a difference. Desire to change. You know, there are a lot of people that, as a pastor, youth pastor, even pastors for many years, I have seen people in the old days in Pentecostal church where people come out and pray, they weep and cry. And if you condemn and guilty, and then after that they go home and do exactly the same thing, no change. Remorse is not God, what God is looking for. Transformation of the heart is what He's looking for. You can cry, cry and pray all you want, but if you don't change, not, nothing happens. But the Word of God says that there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit is in Christ Jesus. That's what? Set us free from the law of sin and death. There is no condemnation. Condemnation and guilt is not from God. 
In fact, he is the defender of the widows and the orphans. And on top of that, he appointed his son to defend you against your accuser. So he's not accusing you. He's actually defending you all the time. He's a defender. Your dad is a defender. You know, you know I can, come on, let's come on, praise the Lord if that God has touched you. You know, um, I understand how they always want to defend people. Sometimes I overdo it. You know, as a father, you know, overprotective father, right? And uh, sometimes, you know, uh, my, that's why my children sometimes don't want to tell me anything, you know. And, and I'll get mad. You know, it's just a little thing. I'm going to talk to your teacher, man. I'll get your principal and sit down with the principal and talk about this kid. You know, he's like, he took your stuff. He stole your book, whatever. Let's talk to your principal. You know, dad naturally want to be protective. We want to do as much as we can. And that's what your heavenly father is. He absolutely wants to protect you. He absolutely wants to defend you. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. If you could stand with me this morning, I'm going to close. If you haven't had any father in heaven, haven't experienced father in heaven, you, 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 you know God just as a religious God. I, I need you to listen to this very carefully. You know, God had created something in you to need a father. And so many young girls, young men, they're looking for a father figure, people that would give them approval. And they'll easily latch onto them and make wrong decisions in relationship. Even, even sincere Christians going around looking for a spiritual father, as it were. But God wants to be your father himself. And that's why Jesus in Matthew chapter 23, verse 9, he says this, Call no man your father on earth. So when you're in a Catholic church, you've been told to call the priest father. They contradicted exactly what Jesus was teaching. Call no man your father on earth. For you have one father. One daddy God is in heaven. Let me ask you this question. This morning, you're standing here. Maybe you are not a Christian. You haven't given your heart to Jesus and being born again and therefore reconciled to your daddy God. And you want to do that the first time. Or perhaps you have, you know, walked away from faith because you have such a wrong image of God and you want to reconcile that today. I want you to know that your Father in Heaven is waiting for you to take your first step. If you're the individual, say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I, 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 want, to, I want to be reconciled to my Father. You know, when he, we're not here to condemn you or judge you. We're here to pray with you. You're not joining a church or anything like that. I want to give you an opportunity to make the decision, to identify yourself saying, God, I want you to be my dad. I need my dad. I need my dad. I need my dad. You know, the Bible says that only Jesus is the only way to the Father. No man can come to the Father except through Christ. He's the way, the truth, and life, the Bible says. So Jesus is making a way for you. All you need to do is receive it. And I want to help, I want to help you to receive it. Take a first step and just, I want to give you an opportunity to raise your hand and Maybe you say, oh, I'm, I'm too embarrassed for that. The Word of God said, if you're ashamed of, the, of God, it's shame of Jesus before men, and Jesus will be ashamed of you before the Father. If you don't acknowledge Him before men, He won't acknowledge you, meaning He won't even pray for you before the Father, won't defend you. So this year, I want to give you the opportunity to not, to not be ashamed of God, to acknowledge Him before the public, to just to raise your hand. I want to count to three, and if there's one or two individuals that you say, I want, to, I want to be reconciled with my dad. You're not joining a church. 
You're just making a decision to follow your Father in heaven. If you're the individual on count of three, again, whether it's the first time or, you know, you may have been a Christian but gone cold in your walk. You say, I want to renew my faith. On count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I will pray for you. One, two, three. Anybody? Oh, there's one back there. Anybody else? Oh, my brother over there. Awesome. Anybody else? 